0: I am Douglas Little, founder, perfumer, and creative director for Heretic Perfume. You are listening to the I Am Heretic podcast. These podcasts are an exploration of the senses with a focus on fragrance, how it's made, the effects it has, and the incredible people it has led me to meet. Today I'm being joined by the incomparable, gender-bending performance sensation violet tchotchke and none other than the very beautiful jody lynn o'keefe hello and we're actually doing a little bit of a pickup from our last podcast with violet um where we had some issues with our um call in where were you calling in from
1: I was in Detroit at a casino hotel. So glamorous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the life of a showgirl. So first, I wanted to start off with, Violet, tell us about who is Violet and where did Violet actually start?
1: Um, I mean, that's like a really big question. I think the need for me to do drag definitely came as like a rebellious thing an expression thing i think there was like a lot of pent-up sort of like femininity that i i was feeling stifled and so it sort of like all culminated into this persona (laughs) i mean it was a long i feel like it was a long time coming i think for a long time going to catholic school and being like a super feminine child i'd always kind of been told to like butch it up a bit and so to finally like find an outlet that I could really channel all my feminine energy was like really magical for
0: me. When did that actually start for you? When did you start doing drag?
1: Professionally, uh, probably when I was like 19 is when I started like making money from it like doing I mean not a lot of money but um, I think my first gig was for $35 for like three numbers and that was like a huge deal for me at the time so I have memories of being paid very
0: small amounts to do something that I really loved which at the time was I'm reading tarot cards and I couldn't
1: believe that someone was actually paying me money to do it I was I mean I couldn't believe people were paying me to dress up like a woman and like you know move my lips around on stage so that was at like 19 but I had been like obviously playing around my mom's clothes, my sister's clothes, my mom's clothes, like for a really long time, probably since I was like 10. Whenever whenever they would like leave me home alone, I think I would just start like playing in my sister and my mom's closets. And then that kind of graduated into like collecting makeup and collecting women's clothing and just hiding it in my bedroom and kind of like getting in drag. And this was like the era of the MacBook photo booths. So my MacBook just had pictures, like my little photo shoot drag studio. I would just like get in drag in my room and just take, like, MacBook photos. So that went on for, like, a good while, probably when I was, like, 15, 16, 17. And the first time I went out in drag, I was 17. It was Halloween. I feel like most queens are either, like, a pride queen or a Halloween queen. It's, like, their first time stepping out. I'm very proud to be a Halloween queen. So I went out as Mary-Kate Olsen (laughs) on Halloween. And my boyfriend at the time went as Victoria Beckham, Posh Spice. When she was, like, in her, like, fashionista, this was, like, when street style was like just becoming a thing and like fashion blogging was just becoming a thing so that was like my first time stepping out of the house in drag and then it just kind of snowballed from there and just like then i was like going out partying that i feel like it was like an an easy way for me to like get free drinks like i feel like drag is like has the power to just kind of like glamour people and you can just like get away with a lot more so I was doing that I was going out I was underage drinking I was partying getting dressed up either androgyny or like full drag and just kind of taking advantage of the power that that gave me and then my friends were like you need to like make money from this like you're pretty good and I kept getting more and more attention and so then I started performing and then I just like got addicted to it, I think, and then it just snowballed from there for real. You say you went to Catholic
0: school, so I'm I'm going to assume that your family was a bit more conservative. Were they supporting you in all of this? Because you said that you were, you know, doing this pretty young at ten.
1: Yeah, I mean, that at ten it was a total secret. I mean, I have vivid visions of me looking in my mom's vanity with like a face full of makeup and like hearing their car pull into the garage and being like, "Fuck, fuck, fuck, fuck," <laughs> and having to like. Walk wipe off my face and like put all her makeup away and like rush to make it look like I wasn't just destroying her vanity. So that was all in secret. And when I did get caught, I was like reprimanded for sure. It wasn't like so much a religious thing. I think it was more of like, my parents are just a bit older. And so they always, it's that notion of like, oh my God, I don't want my kid to have like a hard life. So we got to have them be as normal as possible. Like that's what everyone wants. You want like a normal kid. And so I think it was more like them just not really understanding at being different like I don't think they'd even like had a gay person in the family before and like don't didn't really understand it or know what, anything about it so I think it was just like ignorance and of course now they're fine and like totally supportive my mom's like volunteering for like gay homeless shelters and like I think again when you start getting paid for something and I joke about this is like it only took me winning a hundred thousand dollars to get accepted by my family <laughs> um but it's true I mean getting on dra- I mean that's like sad but it is like it was kind of the truth. I think it took the TV show to kind of like give them perspective and like help them and validation and understand it and like see it taken as like a legitimate art form.
0: I also went to Catholic school. My dad was quite religious, but it was a good school. They knew that I was going to have,
1: right. you know, a good education. But like with that being said, I mean, I had to deal with all the religious people that were at school. So I was like around all these, you know, priests and nuns and this whole thing. And I had to go to religion class. And so. I was going, you know, going to classes where they're teaching you that what you're doing is like an abomination. And so it's like it was like difficult in that aspect. But I mean, I just I was such like a punk in high school. I was like, didn't even care. I was like hungover, like rolling into rolling into school with my uniform. Like, (laughs) it's so good. It's really good. And you grew where did you grow up? I grew up in Atlanta, um, but I'm from Gwinnett, which is like just a little bit north of the city. But I, I went to school in the city. And Jody, you grew up in Jersey, right?
0: I
2: did. I went to Catholic school and I had to go to mass and take the religion classes, but they wouldn't let me take communion because I hadn't been baptized.
1: Oh, see, I, I, I was baptized and got first communion.
2: Yeah, they were constantly trying to convert me.
0: <laughs> so Violet, I'd love to know if there was really a specific turning point where it became clear to you about the persona of Violet Tchotchke. I mean, because Violet has a very specific DNA because right now it's pretty fine-tuned.
1: When I was first kind of getting into aesthetics and fashion. I was like on Tumblr all the time and I was constantly like looking at at fashion images and there sometimes be like John Willy illustrations or Betty Page photos or Pierre Monnier photos and it just like really like stuck with me. Like it really resonated with me. Anytime I, I see like a really powerful woman like owning her sexuality and using it as like a tool almost to get what she wants, especially like in the society we live in, I think it's like... It's just so much, there's so much power behind it. And I think that's like what really draws me to it. I mean, there's something about specifically Betty Page, the way she looked. And so I really was basing my drag character off of Betty Page originally. How do you feel that you embody the term heretic? Well, I mean, I think kind of going against the grain is something that, that's kind of basically how my career started, I think. I think that's kind of like what I'm, I'm not going to say gnome for, but it's something that I celebrate. Even in the drag world, like I don't necessarily like fit in per se. And same with the burlesque world and the circus world and the fashion world. Like I'm always, no matter what sort of industry I'm in, I'm still kind of standing out in some degree. Like even in the drag world, people look at my drag and they're like, I don't understand like the extreme corsetry and the extreme fetishials or the, the extreme beauty of it all, I think is really jarring for some people. And so it always kind of sticks out as something like out of the ordinary.
2: It's what makes you so beautiful. You're holy yourself all the time.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thank you. it is. It's like a lot of, it's just extreme beauty. I think that's what really got me into it is kind of the antithesis of like, you know, the uniform of going to Catholic school. And so kind of sticking out and standing out is is what draws me to really anything.
0: And I think the due to you know, very, very much a huge thank you to RuPaul and to Drag Race that now there is so much attention on drag. There's now a voice for all of these individuals that want to participate in this. And so therefore, the community of drag has become much more populated. And I think that You know, I'm doing a bit of a comparison here, but what you do and the fact that you do burlesque, that you do this, you know, extreme corsetry, this fetishism, and um, you do aerial and you're also doing kind of some of the nuances of drag performance really makes you stand out. And I think that, you know, for anyone who's listening and... I can, I can tell you that the road of, of marching to the beat of your own drum is bumpy and it's uphill at times, but at the okay. same, yes, exactly. But I will tell you that, that in today's day and age where technology is so you know fast paced and you can become an expert in an afternoon, you really do have to have your own thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially with, like you were saying, how much attention is being put on drag queens, it's like things get commodified so quickly. Like you can even see it in the drag community. There's like, you know, all of a sudden rhinestone tights are and it's like everyone's got it. And it's just like you really have to kind of be on your own level, your own path and kind of aesthetically even just as simple as aesthetics kind of have like what's going to be next for you personally because there's going to be like 30 queens that are like about to copy what you just did oh yeah of course
2: it's really flattering though don't you think
1: oh it's totally i mean when it's done correctly it's flattering yeah. but that that rarely happens you know it's always some sort of like watered down watered down version i mean you can see it instantly and then you can a lot of times just go buy it instantly too yeah. You write know, right in the palm of your hand so um I think constantly reinventing yourself and kind of being like ahead of the game is super important.
0: Nah, I totally agree. So bringing it back to this project and Dirty Violet, I think it's important for people to understand our early dialogue about fragrance. And I thought it was very interesting when I sat down and I said, you know, I, I really want to do this and I would love to do this project with you. And we were talking a little bit about fragrance. I'd love to hear your background on how, what your relationship is like with fragrance. And, you know, why did you want to do something like this? Well, I remember when we first sat down,
1: I was like, you know, know i don't really like fragrance that much (laughs) Um, because a lot of the time especially i have like traumatic experiences like i've told you i told you in the last podcast of like really really cheap like synthetic fragrances that have like traumatized me especially in the drag world it's like nothing worse than like old smelly tights in the dressing room and then there's some girl taking some body spray and just covering and it's like a mixture of like old tights and like some like bubblegum teen spirit. Yeah, some sort of Dollar General body spray that she got that she's just like dousing herself in. And then, so the whole room just kind of fills with this like weird. Anyways, I won't like get too graphic, but I have like traumatic fragrance experiences like that, where there's been people that have just used like so much synthetic, sort of like too sweet. So I, I like a really, really natural sort of earthy, almost like a pheromone mm-hmm. kind of vibe. I really do believe that like you're, if you're attracted to someone, you like actually like their their natural scent. Right. Um, And so I think sticking with that theme and something that's gonna mix with someone's natural pheromones is super important. And so it's been really hard for me to find fragrances that I like. But I also think that, like I've said plenty of times, drag is like the most creative thing you can do. You know, you really get to curate everything about a drag character. It's like giving birth. And so it's natural that you'd wanna have like a signature scent. And I went through like a phase where I was really into like Burberry Brit. And that was when I was like really trying to be like fashion. Um, But then I kind of went like, I don't even know what I was really doing, but now I have my own signature set like legitimately. So I get compliments on it all the time. That's wonderful. That's good. That's good. Well,
0: at this point, I think that it would be fun to turn the some questions over to
1: the beautiful Jody Lynn O'Keefe.
2: Really, what I want to know is what made this collaboration happen and how did you two meet?
1: We went through Dita, right? I think she ac- Dita actually gifted me the Striptease candle. Yes, the Scandalwood yeah, one. Yeah, the Scandalwood one. And it was it's amazing. I still have it. And that's kind of when I really kind of got the idea of what you do. Um, and started to smell, and of course I smelled Dita's uh, perfume, because I was touring with her for a minute. And then I'm not sure when exactly we met, It was something, some sort of event or gathering or party or performance or show or something. Yeah, we we actually,
0: I believe that the moment that we talked a bit more about it, we
1: had gone to Hollywood Forever
0: Cemetery, Mm -hmm. we were doing the private tour. And I think that was the moment where it started to solidify a little bit more. I knew early on when I saw you perform, I really wanted to do something because it just felt like what you were doing was so beyond traditional drag. It definitely resonated with, you know, the type of archetypes that I love to work with. And I think that more... More than ever, I really wanted to work with someone that embodied both the masculine and the feminine in such a profound way, even while you're performing as a female character, her traits are very strong and masculine
1: right. right i mean that's kind of the thing for me too is like it's actually really hard what i do like what well, the shoes and the fetishums, it's like it takes a really strong bitch to <laughs> to do this like um you know what i mean like physically and in other ways as well it's like you know being a woman's fucking hard and being a man trying to be a woman is fucking hard yeah. So, I mean, it's, like, the idea of, like, one gender being only one thing and then one gender being the only, like, it doesn't make any sense to me, so I think it's all about balance. I mean, I don't think it really exists that, like, one person is always going to be one thing or the other. And I think there's, like, strength in being vulnerable and soft, and I think it takes, like, a lot of strength to do that as well. So, it like, it's all, like, intertwined, and there's, like, a, you know, a balance and a yin and a yang that that are constantly working and it's like for me as a dragon people like you know especially in the gay community i get kind of like them shamed or like poo-pooed for what i do but it's like i'm like working i work so hard like it's fucking hard like i'm like a businessman (laughs) like business person um you know i'm like a boss bitch so it's it's kind of like funny when it gets a bit like poo-pooed or something because Mm -hmm. it feels like it takes so much strength and energy and drive and passion and like all these things that might traditionally be considered masculine traits to do something that's so hyper-feminine. There's a huge, massive audience out there that
0: is really finally feeling very comfortable with stating these aspects. As soon as you take the marketing away from fragrance, so you strip away the counter salesperson, you strip away the imagery, you strip away the, the slogans, and you get someone who sits down with you and it's just a bunch of bottles with names on them of the notes, and you start showing them to someone you know, the women that would come to me, they would typically come and they would bring a men's fragrance. And they would say to me, I love wearing, you know, this men's fragrance. And would you make something like this? And then the men that would come to me, I would be showing them fragrance strips. And as soon as I would get to the florals, they were like, oh, this smells amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just like marketing, you know, it's like, it's all on your head. It's like the same thing with clothing. That's why I was like, even telling my mom when I first started like, you know, I'm like, it's just fabric and stitching and it doesn't, you have a genitalia, you can't, like, you know, it doesn't have a gender. Um, and it's even crazy to think that something like a, a scent could have gender. So, yeah, I mean, it was super important for me to have something that was gender neutral. And because, I mean, I never even thought about it before. I mean, I never thought about fragrance as gendered before. So I definitely wouldn't start now.
0: Yeah. And the specific notes with this fragrance are really, they're really beautiful. And that came through a lot of back and forth between the two of us. What were some of the notes that you were really drawn to?
1: Well, I like really natural smelling stuff. I mean, we liked, I liked a lot of the leather. And we also, I think we played around with kind of the idea of it being a bit of a vintage smell as well, which I loved actually collect like vintage avon bottles like avon perfume bottles so i loved that and of course wanted to include some violet notes just because that's my name (laughs) yeah and i really wanted to as a perfumer
0: violet is one of the notes that is a really exciting note to work with we worked with violet leaf which violet leaf is this wonderful green wet kind of note you were really excited about the leathery aspects. So with the base of this fragrance, we kind of did this really interesting leather cord that is built around Cypriol, which is this uh, very leathery root um, from India combined with these gorgeous amber tones um, of the fragrance. And the amber tones give it that kind of vanilla, but without being sweet, kind of incense-y. And it's, it's really, it's a fragrance that is so hypnotizing and so deeply mesmerizing. I guess that's the only way I can really describe it. I think it's really sexy.
1: I think it's like a really sexy scent. I'm wearing it. Oh no, I'm not wearing it I was wearing it last night. I had a late night, <laughs> <laughs> probably still on me. I think it's sexy and, 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 and to me it really is gender neutral.
0: Yeah, no, no, I think it is too. I think it is too. It's it's uh, your one of your favorites now too, Jody.
2: Yeah, it really is. I don't put fragrance on in the morning so that when I come into the studio down here I can spray some dirty violet on myself, yeah. You know?
0: So I wanted to talk a bit about the packaging.
2: No, I want to talk about the packaging. I wanna talk about the packaging because you two have a mutual love for John Willie. And I was wondering what was the importance of that image for you and can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Fetish aesthetics are a huge part of my drag persona my drag character again it's that it's that like strength and sort of confidence and dominance and that like powerful domineering woman that has always kind of inspired me and I think seeing his illustrations just gives me like eternal inspiration especially like physically costumes but even like the storyline and the way the way they're drawn themselves I have of course this tattoo that we actually got to license for the packaging which people keep getting this tattoo (laughs) I see tagged photos in my tagged photos on Instagram and it'll be like I'll just see the tattoo I'm like when was I at the beach and then it's like (laughs) it's not me it's somebody else who has my tattoo the kids love love the set there's actually another one that goes with it that it's a redhead and she has uh, her mouth covered yes and I'm thinking I'm gonna get that one too at some point I'm running out of room on my arms, though. I don't know. I think John Willie is just, it was, it's just so good. It's just so good. And there's so much work and such a big body of work. Like having his wife model for him mm-hmm. and his character, uh, Gwendolyn, it's just a huge inspiration for me. And I love that we got to have Zaldi kind of recreate one of the John Willy looks. That was uh, Gwendolyn illustration that yes. that he did the like a little ruffled corset skirt thing yeah. Christian Louboutin like directly kind of I'm not going to say knocks off but is inspired by the shoes that John Willie would draw I mean I have a pair that are directly like a replica of a John Willie shoe that uh, Louboutin has done
0: Yeah John Willie for me I remember finding John Willie when I was in my early punk days and fell head over heels for the bizarre series that he did. And I think the more that I did research into John Willie and one of the things that I've I just loved about him was what an entrepreneur he was and that he was illustrating and self-publishing and these books were so taboo and they were deeply under the counter. And I mean, you think about the time period that this was all being done, it was really against the crane. I mean, talk about a true heretic. John Willie was like at the, yeah. at the top of his game. I just, again, when we were talking about this project, I was like, this has to be part of this project because of how much it's influenced your character development, certainly, but I also really felt like when I was reading all my old bazaars and I was looking through them when I was doing the fragrance, and it just felt like it was part of the illustrations it, yeah. just, it was something there was like this amazing magic that was happening yeah. between the the all of it
1: seeing these like beautiful women you know hyper stylized women in bondage and in leather and in all this gear and in all these kind of like strenuous and kind of strong positions either like being super dominant or super submissive or a combination of the both it kind of lends itself well to that balance of like traditionally masculine traditionally feminine qualities and same thing with the perfume that the florals and the leather kind of combining so it and then also it has that kind of vintage feel as well mm-hmm. in in the fragrance so it i mean it just lends itself really well
2: was it important to you to work with a company that makes clean non-toxic fragrances
1: yeah i mean well like i said before i'm really like i've had traumatic <laughs> <laughs> traumatic like seriously and then there's also like getting in an uber with like an uber driver who wears like tons of synthetic. Uh, cologne is also like I've been like pullover I can't do this uber ride it's super important for me to kind of smell fresh and clean and, and natural and kind of have the transparency and know what you're putting on your body especially it's super important I think
0: too one of the things with this that I was so excited about was you know the drag community do not pay attention to what they're actually putting on themselves. And I think that it's much more about the effect that it achieves than it is about it's being good for you. Oh,
1: I mean, so many glues and adhesives. Trust me, I have to partake in that (laughs) at some point. Well, of course. I mean, I think
0: that, and again, you know, my theory about this is it's very easy for a a company and the kind of clean movement. I think there's from the outside, you know, there's so many companies that the pendulum has swung so far to one one side. It's not real. It's just it's not real that you're going to, you know, get up every morning at 6 a.m. and you're going to do your sun salutations and you're going to eat, eat your green bowl and, you know, you're going to only drink filtered water and, you know, on and on and on. It's just not fucking real. And so the fact is is that I just didn't want to create I didn't want to do a brand that was then perpetuating more of the same toxic materials and you know, we have some fragrances that are 100% made with 100% natural materials. And then there's some that are combinations of naturals and synthetic, safe synthetic materials that are done to be able to achieve specific effects.
1: But the most important thing is just being real about it, just being transparent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think having that balance and being transparent is is definitely the most important thing you can do. Because it is, it is unrealistic to expect someone to be like all one way or the other way. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah, it's not possible. I mean, especially for me, when I'm traveling, it's like, honey, I'm lucky if I can buy the subway
2: the train or the sandwich
1: <laughs> either <laughs> both sometimes both at the moment i
0: believe that we're in the midst of a revolution where the gender roles are being blurred what are your feelings about the growing consciousness and and how do you see your influence on this
1: it's an exciting time to to be a part of it i mean i never for me it's something that i've just always done like i've always you know just I don't need things to be like branded a certain way for to 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 use them, Uh, whether it be clothing or makeup or cosmetics or perfume or whatever it is. But it's nice that we're just having more kind of awareness and there's more conversation going on and there's more visibility for people. I think that's kind of the biggest impact that what's going on right now has had is the visibility is like being able to see see people that you resonate with in campaigns and in ads and, and being used by major companies and being compensated and sometimes maybe not being compensated. But again, there's just that con- that conversation that is being had that I think is super important. I think gender is like, I want to say now more than ever, like a, a really hot topic, even for like uh, women in Hollywood or the Me Too movement or whatever it may be. I think people are really kind of looking at inequalities across the board and representation and what it what it means and how it how it impacts people. And I think people are demanding representation uh, for everyone equally now more than ever, especially for like a gender non-conforming aspect to be sort of like one of the figureheads of like the golden age of drag is what I'm calling it. It's kind of never been this mainstream. I don't know if it'll ever, I don't know what the future looks like if it, if it will ever be this mainstream again, but it's just cool. It's just cool to be a part of um, and to, to hear stories from younger people that kind of get inspired or get empowered just through the sheer visibility and, and the accessibility of queer people and of gender non people of our stories. And just to kind of feel like they're not alone or they have someone or or even broadening older people's horizons, you know, people that have crossed drag race or my Instagram or whatever and kind of kind of expanded their minds a bit.
0: It's just exciting. It is. It's a really exciting time. And I think that what you're bringing to it is something that's very, very special and feel very lucky to be working with you. So one of the things that I love to do on this podcast is I always love to ask our guests if they could please tell me, because fragrance is so important to to Heretic, obviously, is to tell us one of your most erotic fragrance
1: memories. Um, well, the, no, I told you the, the thing that I do not like is bad breath. That's right. I yeah. think scent is like...
2: That was not the erotic
1: yeah that was
2: that nice. was the opposite
1: that, that was the opposite well that is like i think scent is like again i really truly believe in like pheromones and like being attracted like it'll all sync up like i i really truly do if you have bad breath like it is such a deal breaker so i'm like very, very sensitive, sensitive. <laughs> yeah i'm like very sensitive and not afraid to speak my mind so that's not really an erotic no, story. That's, not erotic, that's like that's the
0: opposite. opposite.
1: <laughs> that's more like a warning. If you ever see me, <laughs> yeah, like, make sure you have a mint oh, yeah. or something. And I, I do. I believe in the pheromones. I mean, I like, I like a good like after sex kind of glow moment. I, I always think it's interesting when people, you know, I,
0: I think especially someone like yourself that at around you know, I'm going to assume it was probably eight, nine, somewhere in that range that you were starting to become cognizant of like, okay, so I'm not, I'm not necessarily wired like everyone else. Oh, no. I
1: knew like before eight or nine people, people were telling me they were like, what's wrong. They were like telling me like, oh, you're gay. I'm like, I'm five. Like, what do you mean? (laughs) How are you going to sexualize me right now? Before I even knew what sex was, people were telling me like, oh, you're gay. And
0: so I think that, you know, when you have that kind of hyper awareness, and th- there's a hyper awareness of everything. And so, when I say erotic, I mean it doesn't necessarily need need to be in relationship to penetration. I mean, it, an erotic fragrance memory can be an, an, it can be a memory of of discovering yourself. So, I always love to hear you know where that question will go because it doesn't necessarily have to be with someone else.
1: Me, myself, and I, honey. <laughs> Me and a bottle of Burberry Brit, circa two thousand seven.
0: So Violet, tell me about what is next for you. I know one of the things I'm very excited about is this Art Basel project, which is coming up very soon. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Um, Yes, we are doing, in celebration of the fragrance, we're going to be doing a dinner during Art Basel at the Fahina, which is like this gorgeous hotel I've ever been. And I've been to Art Basel a couple of times and I always kind of just love, even Fashion Week has this sort of same feel of like a bunch of different, Types of people kind of getting together and just sort of celebrating beauty and art and intelligence and there's it's such a mix of people from different classes and different sort of backgrounds and it's always super fun to kind of kind of immerse yourself for like a week or, or a weekend in those kind of spaces and Art Basel is definitely one of those. I've had some really um, interesting experiences at Art Basel before, so it's exciting to go and to do something that's focused around me and one of my projects and, and our project. Mm-hmm. So it'll be really exciting. I've got a cute list of people that I'm planning to invite. And then after that, I'm basically back on the road again. Uh, I go to the Philippines right after that for a gig. And then in January, I'm taking my one woman show, A Lot More Me to Tel Aviv. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I've never been, so that'll be fun. And then I'm gonna be touring the same show in the States and Canada in spring and so those dates will be announced very soon i hope that's kind of my main focus right now is my solo (laughs) my solo show i mean there's so many things i want to do or it's about to be the new year about to be the 20s and i want to do so much so many plans and goals it's really like a make or break kind of year for me i'm really transitioning out of like kind of performing in the traditional drag circuit and going and focusing more on like uh you know touring with theaters and sort of working on my YouTube channel, which is definitely going to be happening in the new year and kind of taking up space as a drag queen and as a queer person in in different spaces, you know, outside of just like, you know, a gay bar. That's great. I'd love to hear that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's exciting. It's good. I don't know how many more years I have left to me, so I'm like, you might as well just try to do it all while you still can. Well, I want to thank you very much, Violet, for joining us today. And Jody,
0: thank you so much for joining the podcast. This is a lot of fun. And I encourage those who have more curiosity about violet to check out violet on instagram of course violet tchotchke and violet correct for tour dates and more information and if you are enjoying the i am heretic podcast please leave us a review you can find us at spotify and on itunes until next time